Hello and welcome to a special Culture File Weekly with me, Luke Clancy, and this time we're bringing the second part of our Culture File Slow Remix featuring woodsman Aubrey Fennell. For the next half an hour, we're going to travel with him high into the canopy to meet an ecosystem of the sounds, stories and emotions of trees. The falling leaves Drift by the window The autumn leaves Of red and gold I see your lips The summer kisses The sunburned hands I used to hold Since you went away The days grow long I came home from my travels uh, abroad. Um, I spent about 12, 15 years backpacking around the world. And I'm a product of the 80s when there was no jobs in this country, no, no potential future, it seemed. And uh, it seemed like a good thing to do is to go abroad and travel the world. And so I came back in 97 to take care of my father, who was getting very elderly. And... Um, a bit like a flea on the, on the tail of the Celtic tiger, I decided this was my opportunity. The sun comes around in front of the window from early morning right through to about maybe two in the afternoon, so I get the best of the, of the sunshine. And uh, the desk actually was only bought earlier this year, just as I started writing. I decided that my computer desk was pretty awful and um, decided to go down to the local um, furniture auction and uh, picked up this uh, nice Victorian sort of um, writing desk um, for a couple of hundred euros and uh, fits perfectly into the inside of the window and uh, so I have the sun, the chickens, the trees in front of me, the butterflies flying by, the rooks flying overhead. Um, it can be very distracting but it's also a perfect uh, space for me to to uh, to think about nature and to and to write about trees. It was 98 that I really took up to measuring and recording trees. A bit like Thomas Packham, he was inspired um, to write about uh, his remarkable trees, including his wonderful old uh, beach, when he went out to see them before the big storm came and then to find them all down. And uh, a bit like him, I made my decision to record trees while they're still with us. The day of reckoning really came when I was a tree surgeon down in Tipperary and Coolmore Stud, Magnor Stud, belonged to the O'Brien dynasty down in South Tipperary where I was busy at the top of huge oak tree um, taking dead wood out of it and I was roped in halfway up the tree as a safety rope as I was climbing up to the top of the tree where I was going to re-rope so from that uppermost branch, high branch, I could um, gain access all around the tree except that the 
as soon as I got up to the top, um, the branch that I stood on snapped and I plunged straight to the ground, uh, free fall, without hitting anything on the way down, which is remarkable because uh, oak trees have these big sort of lateral huge branches. If I hit anything on the way down, that would have been curtains. As I approached the ground, um, screaming for my mother, the rope and harness pulled me up about three, four feet above the ground and I just was pulled up short like a bungee um, cord and swung in and clattered off the trunk of the tree which was only a mild sort of concussion and um, so I was alive and the first thing I did was go back straight back up the tree because otherwise my tree surgery career would have been over there and then but six months later um, I needn't have gone up because I was already out of a job after dropping a tree in Ballsbridge on top of a, a Porsche 911 which was worth £25,000 at the time so you know these things happen for a reason I probably would have ended up dead anyway if I had continued in this uh, way not that I'm saying that um, that I was careless or gung-ho about it but you know it's the most dangerous job in the world after uh, Formula 1 racing and even that's much safer now than ever before so maybe you know mining and tree surgery are probably the two most dangerous occupations it's just as well that I decided not to climb trees but just to um, admire them from a distance I was never one for hugging trees anyway. I mean, I soon learnt my lesson when I tried to hug a tree um, in County Carlo, just outside um, on an old estate, but beside a modern housing estate where a group of youngsters were sitting on the wall watching me as I had, for the first time ever, forgotten to bring my tape measure. So to get an idea of the, of the breadth of this tree, I put my arms around it. And I was accused by the, uh, of having unnatural relations with this tree by the youngsters. And never again would I allow myself to... Um, it's, it's, to um, it's not a pleasant sight to see um, a grown man blush. We're just passing under possibly the tallest beech tree in County Carrow. It's about 110, 115 feet tall. And probably my greatest cha- challenge as a climber of trees free climbing because I had no rope or harness or anything. I was climbing using the ivy to scale up what looks like a chimney stack up to about maybe 40 feet before you come to the first branch and then after that it was relatively easy and uh, I would spend an hour at the very top looking down over the wood and and goings on but coming back down was pretty tricky and um, I said I'd never do it again and I haven't. I have a couple of nice easy trees where I get the urge to climb to the top of a tree. I've got a couple of nice um, two-year placata still to climb up. I still do a bit of tree surgery on my own trees. I, haven't, I still have the ropes and harness and I, I'm quite happy to do my own tree surgery. 
um, if necessary. But just for the sheer pleasure of climbing trees, I do have a couple which I climb maybe a few times a year. looking over we've just gone through the center of the wood and reached the other side and the wood really crowns the top of a hill and we're now looking down the slopes eastwards towards the Wicklow mountains and vast 170 acre field which used to be maybe 10 or 15 or 20 different trees at one time but this is how agriculture has gone in this part of the country where all the hedgerows have been removed just the odd tree left here and there as a reminder of what once was. Perhaps there is still a residue of humanity of, in, in the person who decided to leave one tree. Even if he's ripped out hundreds of others and miles of hedgerows, perhaps there is still that sort of need. Trees have always... There are countless thousands of trees around the country which are left standing alone in a field or in a bog or on a hillside, never to be touched because they are considered sacred. They are associated with perhaps um, a wrath or some other site and where the little people, the fairies, reside. And that would, it's, worth, it's not worth the trouble and the potential trouble and the potential grief if you remove that tree that might befall you and misfortune. Um, as many as the story of people who've taken liberties with such a tree and come to a very quick end soon afterwards so perhaps that residue is still in all of us it's best not to um, mess around with uh, I think these uh, these fairy folk probably carry a bit of a chip on their shoulder and who'd blame them I mean you know this is if every tree had a name or every tree was protected wouldn't it be wonderful so I, I, I certainly won't dismiss our folklore any armour in our any, shall we say, anything to protect trees, I welcome, for whatever reasons. So it, when you say it there, it makes me think how almost our uh, folklore is part of the protection system of the trees, and it's kind of what you're suggesting.
suppose we anthropomorphize trees um, in the same way that we anthropomorphize animals that they look like so and so like you know people who, who own a bulldog will end up looking like their dogs and vice versa I'm not saying the same for trees but we can trees have, have just got the sculptural form and um, um, which can look as if uh, there are animals um, or snakes um, or even the human figure, the human body. And uh, trees envelop other objects so that they can almost look um, pornographic. And I suppose um, in that sense you could call it dendroporn. Anyone who loves trees... I'm, I'm on the internet all the time and I'm on monumental tree websites um, where we're looking at the biggest oak trees, say, in Slovenia or the tallest trees in Brazil. And anyone who loves nature and loves trees would be the same, I would imagine. Um, that would be my sort of um, trawling the internet for vi wonderful images of trees. Um, this is my sort of obsession, which has probably gone a little bit too far, but there's nothing indecent about what I'm um, looking at in any sense. It's just that that's what I like. Any tree that falls down has potential as firewood. Now, some are much better than others. Some, like ash, can be put on the fire straight away. They have, um, um, they're pretty good. They don't spark, and uh, they're, they're not. Um, they can go straight onto a fire with a little bit of help of dried out. All timber, when dried out, is useful as a fire. Some, like willow, are pretty poor. Um, elder. Don't put it in the fireplace at all because it'll only bring you bad luck. It's um, there are some trees which are superstitious, um, and there's no point in taking a risk with burning, say, an elder, um, because of the misfortune it might bring you. While other trees like beech are also terrific oak, the drying out. Um, so they all have great potential for for warmth and heat. If a tree is oozing sap and uh, and moisture as it's on the fire, it'll hiss and scream and spit. While a tree um, a timber which has been well um, is very dry, and maybe with bark attached, it, it can go you know fizz and almost like firecrackers and sparks. So conifers tend to spark and and uh, and uh, crackle, while um, ash and beech um, could hiss and and spit. Uh, depending on how dry they are. So, yeah, there is a kind of a musical sort of uh, quality to different timbers on when they do reach the fire. As to whether they're screaming um, at their torment, whether they are, uh, that's another question. As the autumn weather turns leaf to flame, I haven't got And 
It's a long, long while from May to December, and the days grow short when you reach September. For the day. Not quite a champion, but it's in the top five in the country. Is an old mulberry here, and mulberry, as people may be aware, there are a number of species. But it's the white mulberry, which is from China, which is, is which is what the silkworms are um, come from and what they graze on, to, and uh, that's their food. The leaves of such a tree, the black mulberry, which comes from the Caspian and to the Black Sea and southern Europe. Um, has always been renowned for its fruit, its deep red, luscious fruit, almost like loganberries with uh, this fantastic fruit. And they make considerable trees, and there are many examples here. Which, In fact, there was one on Trinity College in Dublin, which is about 400 years old, which was removed during extensions made in Trinity College back in the 60s or 70s, which is a great regret of mine that it's still no longer there. But I have here, which is sprawling all over the place, typical for the tree. They do tend to grow up and then fall down, but those uh, branches which fall to the ground will have root themselves again and they can spread around like that. And this is one of the largest in the country. So this is one of my champion trees. It's a short trunk, which... Um, it doesn't want to get high, it just wants to get out. And the leaves are very large, almost fig-like in, in, in shape. They're now down and with short little uh, stumpy sort of branches, quite dense in growth in, in its uh, um, branches. And, um, and fairly white with lots of moss covering uh, the trunks. Moss, as you know, is an indication of good clean air. People worry about moss on their trees. Don't bother with it. It's part of it, and it's a good indication of good, clean um, air. It adds distinction. And the thing about these uh, mulberries is that in a short space of time, they can they can look distinguished and old. I tend to think of them a bit like um, hawthorns, old hawthorns, as like the equivalent of the wonderful photographs that I remember of um, old ladies in the Iron Islands with their lined faces and and with such an inner beauty and I, I think of trees I know one shouldn't anthropomorphize such uh, things but I do tend to I think as part of being so fascinated by them that we, we want to sort of uh, turn them we want to compare them to something else and, to, and mulberry is, is the equivalent of a tree which looks gnarled and ancient but wise and these few golden days I spend with you 
That's the food. That's that's next year's beer. Quite. Um, malting barley. So when you when you when you know, when you can when you look out on those fields of grain, just consider you know where it's going. You know wheat for bread, barley for for brewing, and that's where the, um, these fields are producing next year's um, malting barley. And uh, and then if it's if the quality is good enough, then it's either goes for feed or for feeding animals. If it's not, the quality is depending on the year and the quality and what they're looking for. Or obviously it goes up to St James's Gate to be treated and with great reverence. I hope. Can you have the same sort of affection for a, a field of barley as you can for? Yeah, my father um, would walking with my father. Um, Inspecting crops was just a sheer labour of love, watching at every stage, but before harvesting out every day, checking the moisture content, crunching it in your um, in your hands and biting on it to see. Um, it, there is a great, and then checking on diseases. I mean, in the same way that I appreciate trees, my father used to appreciate corn, for sure. It is a great labour of love. And... For anyone to get their hands dirty, to feel the, the soil in your hands, to, to, to gather the crops, whether it's raspberries from your kitchen garden or grain which is going to the mill, it's, it's, it's what you know, gives us meaning, I think. And, yeah, I'm thinking of my dad. It's, I'm sure we, he'll see that that's a nice... This year was particularly good because um, we were able to get the corn in pretty early and a uh, very dry year. And so it's been a wonderful year, not only just for the trees, but also for getting crops in early. Ballinachilly Wood, Burton Hall, Palatine, County Carlo. This was my playground as a child. Apart from my own garden and farm, I would always traipse over here and spend countless hours um, in amongst the laurel sort of woods and oak and all sorts of strange and exotic trees. And it's 40 acres of woodland rising high above what was the big house in this area, Burton Hall House, which was demolished in the 1950s. I never remember it myself. And this wood sort of existed. Certainly it was there in 1650 in Petty's time. Petty 
um, after conquest at that time, mapped large swathes of the country and in order to see what they had captured, shall we say, and valuated and redistributed from the native Irish. And uh, those maps indicate that this wood existed then. And some of the trees in the wood would indicate that also. And the reason why I've brought you here is, really, it was a tree up here that inspired me to start putting a tape around a tree. As we walk under a dark, dense, evergreen a canopy of laurel. But we're now approaching the tree that really started it all for me, the tree that has such resonance and magic about it and inspired me to go out and seek all other great trees. And we're just approaching it here on the right-hand side and it's very tall, very dark, big, huge cavity at the base with um, roots coming down from the main trunk inside the cavity and those roots are creating new trunk and this is what Jews do they regenerate they can either regenerate by putting out branches which um, touch the ground and reroot themselves or in the hollow of a tree which takes about 300 years or 400 years before they hollow out like this aerial roots come down from high on the trunk and create a whole new trunk and even when the old trunk, maybe 500 years' time, is gone, this new trunk has taken its place. And this is what makes this particular tree, it's enormous size for a yew tree. It's about maybe 14, 15 feet in girth, 4.5 metres in girth, but it's almost uh, 60, 70 feet high. And uh, this is the tree that started it all for me. And as you can see, for a yew tree, just how how high into the crown the main trunk sweeps out with all sorts of twisted branches and so forth. But it's solid all the way up. It doesn't taper at all. It's just huge amount of timber in that tree. And I think this tree, because of indicators of, this, of the trunk and its sheer size and so on, um, may be at least 500 years old. And I can almost count on the... Between my hands, the toes and fingers... I can count maybe all the trees in Ireland which are about 500 years or older. We don't have a rich reservoir of, of, of ancient trees, so we have to protect what we have. These are unique monuments, natural monuments. People ask me when is the best, the best time to, um, to plant a tree, and I always say 35 years ago. <laughs> Don't wait.
You've been listening to the Culture File Slow Remix featuring Aubrey Fennell and some champion trees. Next week we have another chance to hear some of the best of Jennifer Walsh's Things No Things essays for Culture File. That's Saturday 6.30pm here on RTE Lyric FM.